This is Recovery Revolution Live. The episode you're about to listen to is live and unedited. If you'd like to join us on the live stream, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube. Facebook.com slash Recovery Revolution 100 or search Recovery Revolution Live on YouTube. All right, we are officially live. What is going on, everybody? What's going on? Recovery Revolution Live, Thursday night. Welcome, everybody. I'm excited for this episode. I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited. We were we were I'm chatting excited. a little bit before we went live, and you guys, this is going to be a good one. Yes. Yeah, we're like, stop. We got to <laughs> save, save it. Save it for yeah. the show. Save it for the show. I'm yeah. grateful to be here. Yeah, grateful Glad to have, have you. you back, Elsie. Well, I say back. It's your first time on here, but it's back together. <laughs> right. Yeah. Back together again. Well, it's an honor for me to be here. I'm so grateful to. I'll sit Too in y'all's hot seat. play that song reunited, and it feels. So I weird. know. It does. The same thing as their time. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, what's up, Billy? Welcome, hey, welcome. Billy. Well, I better put my comments up so I can see. Maybe I'll get to see. Yeah, I get to see Billy. Haven't yeah. done StreamYard from this side like this before. This is a really neat experience. It's weird, right? You don't have all the buttons and stuff. I know. Like, I feel like I should be doing something right now. But you're in control. This is going to spoil me. I'm telling you, I've been saying I needed a Brett for a long time. And this is going to spoil me a little bit. This is going to be it. Everybody needs a Brett. They do. They do. They do. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Well, yeah. What are we going to talk about? For... What do we do? How do we do this? Well, I mean, there might be a few people watching that don't know who you are, Elsie. So maybe you can uh -oh. kind of give us a little rundown on who you are, and then uh, I'm sure we'll get to get the conversation we were having before. I think we got to. If we talk about me, then we have to. That's what it'll oh, yeah, ha it yeah, ended yeah. up being. Yes. And if anybody's watching, we're going to put the, the call-in number up here in a little bit. So if you have any questions or you want to talk about anything, feel free to call into the show live. Yeah, I think that's that's a, such a neat part. Like, I think that uh, that's so awesome. And, and it's great to get somebody's feedback on this. And we're going to talk about some cool stuff tonight. And I think there's a lot to say about it. So I really hope people will take that opportunity to call in and and share so um well i guess i'll just bust into it then so bust my name up. is lc well I, my name is lona curry and i am known as reverend lc i have a recovery soul food podcast um i am also the creator of hope and recovery network which is um a page that i started on facebook Oh, wow. I guess um, in 2017 or something like that. Um, so I'm coming up on 10 years in recovery, but I had this wildly 
hellish addiction for 22 years of my life. You know, just growing up, you know, at, at, at four, I knew I was different. At five, you know, I had started with child abuse, you know, like sexual abuse and, you know, a lot of different things. You know, my mom was young. She was running through marriages and she just didn't. We always said she had a broken picker. She didn't know how to pick you know, decent people to be with. So unfortunately, I and, you know, a little while later, my sister came along. And so we kind of got the brunt of that. But what what basically ended up getting me was I tried alcohol when I was 11. Um, I had met my real father when I was eight. I really wanted to be seen by him and, and loved by him. And so we shared music in common. And we I quickly found out that we shared drinking in common, too. So, you know, I started out with drinking. And and no, as soon as that escape button, like as soon as the alcohol hit, I was hooked. It was ridiculous ridiculous how hooked I was at 11 years old that there was an escape button within substance and um, you know it it, it it went on progressively until I got to I'd say like mid 90s in 1994 I had a major stomach surgery and from there there was you know pain medications that were prescribed and I really didn't have a clue that you could take them for fun or not take them, you know, just for pain. But something was happening whenever I was taking those meds. And um, it just seemed like for the first time in my life, it was like a, a warm hug. You know, it just it was like everything's OK here. And it was the 90s. And, you know, pain pills were easy to get. In the 90s and I was going through more heartbreaks and and heartache you know being confused about who I was and and I carried just a lot of pain and anger because of my past and my uh, childhood like I I felt like and and believed with everything that I was that I was God's little joke you know like why would you create a human being you know like me and why then would you know would all this just any person that could abuse me, it was like, you know, they would seek me out. And that was my belief system for so long. And what started happening is I'd run out of the medicine and then I'd be sick. But I didn't have any clue that I was sick because the medicine was gone. So I would go to the doctor and say, I'm having these crazy stomach problems. My bones are aching and they would prescribe me more. And it it became pretty apparent when you know i was hoping to get hurt so like this is an honest program so let me just be honest i was hoping to get hurt um just so that i could get more pain pills mm. and you know like i if 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 i broke a tooth or or whatever it was like if there was an opportunity like i'd go get a tooth pulled out you know what I mean? Like, I like there was no trying to save it. Let's do the most drastic possible thing. Um, and, and you know, because of that first stomach surgery, I ended up having, like, multiple stomach surgeries. And so I honestly became even more addicted to IV uh, pain meds. And so it was like I would do the, the most drastic things to be able 
to go to the hospital. It was like I was pushing death, but I was still so confused because I had never really heard the word addiction. Nobody ever explained any of this to me. I just knew that this was the answer to my, the only way I could live in my skin comfortable and that this was happiness within a bottle. And that was, that was what it was for me. And of course, at some point, like most of the time it does, the pills run out, the doctors realize that this is what's happening. And instead of telling me, hey, we think you have an addiction problem and telling me what addiction was. And it sounds so ridiculous, you know, to say I didn't know what addiction was. But I had just not ever heard the word. I thought of addiction as, you know, down and out on the street or something, which eventually I'd get to because I was following that model. But, you know, it just seemed like you know, the medical community completely turned against me. Like they just turned their back on me and all of a sudden just treated me like garbage. And I didn't really know what was happening. And so, of course, my life was falling apart. I ended up having like 12 stomach surgeries altogether. I've almost lost my life, you know, in behind complications from these surgeries. I've probably had... 12 orthopedic surgeries um you know like it was it was such a hard life and then of course you know once the medical community turns against you then I went to the street I discovered um heroin and I thought cheaper you know I don't have to deal with you know anything I don't have to hurt anything I don't have to do any of those desperate things and it just quickly just became you know the only way that I could just cope with being in my skin and so you know I fast forward and I also and this is going to be an interesting topic for us to talk about tonight I also discovered within that addiction I did discover MAT and now because I didn't know anything about addiction and I had only been told that this was treatment it was still back in the later 90s and of course at the time we didn't have the suboxone or subutex it was just methadone and at that time that hit the same and I thought oh this is treatment this is great this is the best form of treatment ever you know but I wasn't fixing anything like I wasn't doing any I didn't think you had to I thought the medicine was supposed to do the trick and I was, you know, just upping the dose and upping the dose. And there was, you know, people just were willing to do it. Um, And like my relationships were falling apart. Everything was falling apart because now I was chasing this. But so there would be times when I would come on and off of that. Um, But there was a time and and we have to fast forward because I really want to get to this topic more than... I want to talk so much about me, but I guess this will lead into it. But there was a time when I I became, I went to a next level with medication-assisted treatment. Um, by the time I met my wife and she came with a four-year-old son, they had given me a, a reason to, they had given me a reason to live. They had given me something that was bigger than myself. I wanted to take care of them. And I knew that 
you know, I was I was wild and out. I had begun using, you know, I'd been arrested, of course, and all the things that we do. And, and I had begun using a lot of speed and I had become a, a speed addict and an alcoholic, you know, because I wasn't working on anything. I wasn't working on this and I wasn't working on this. I was just trying to yeah. stay away from drug of choice. Well, right. And, You're like, oh, I'm yeah. not doing heroin, so right. I'm being good, right? <laughs> right, right. This is okay because I'm not doing that. So I yeah, made that I, excuse. <laughs> and But I knew that, you know, at some point I was going to come back around to that. So I, I needed some type of stability. And so I went back to a, uh, a medication-assisted treatment program. And at this point, I had I had used it differently, and I had let it just help me put my life back together. So I was working a full time job, I was running a business, I was I was being a father, I was being a you know a husband. We had things, and that was really good. Like I found figured out, oh, I've I, I've conquered this. Like I've conquered this. This is this is an okay life. But the problem was, I was still trusting only the medicine. You know what I mean? I still wasn't working on my head and my heart. Um, and so because of stigma surrounding that and and my family members going, oh, you know, people saying, well, you're not really clean. You're not really this. Even though I was living, you know, a, a really productive lifestyle, I was really proud of myself. And I was really proud of myself. People, you know, in my family, well, I, I can't wait till you get off of that stuff and, and this and that. And, you know, so because of that, and I was going to a program that, you know, wasn't really concerned. So it was, if you don't have your money today, you don't get medicated. So it kind of left me in that same situation. Well, well, I, well, I got to do the same of this. You know, I got to do the same things, you know, break the law and all that to do this as I did for that. And so I walked away. So I made myself this plan. I'm going to, you know, bring myself down. I was going to do all that. And I did. And about six months after, you know, I made it for about six months. I was just the same raw sore of emotion walking around. Like I said, I had not worked on anything inside. I had not worked, you know, I had not done any inner work. My family broke apart. Um, and about six months after, you know, I started hanging out with, I was hanging out dangerously close to you know heroin users and you know i was there i was back i was back at it and that would end up being the nine month relapse that changed my entire life i um i i i was way off the rails it was heroin it was you know i i was i had no veins left so i was mainlining you know, stuff I was buying off the street from people I didn't know. I was, you know, all of this stuff. I mean, it was completely out of control. We didn't, we, we were having to live with family. Our son was having this, these health problems. He didn't see us using, but kids know, like the stress that was around us. We have to go somewhere in the middle of the night. You know, we're, my wife and I, because my wife went with me in this relapse. She'd never done, she'd never tried heroin and she followed me into this relapse. And so he developed this condition called Cushion's disease. And it was an overproduction of the stress hormone cortisol. And he was right at 14, and he had gained like 100 pounds really quick. And I started seeing that, number one, I can't keep, we can't keep going like this. Like, I, 
I need my family. We, I, I got to do something. You know, I had been 22 years running after this same demon, you know, the same disease. And I was tired and I knew something had to change. But when I saw that in my son and I realized that he was suffering because of, of this energy that belonged to me, it was like all of a sudden I thought I can't let my shit, you know, affect him. And that was the night. So I'd made a decision that I I knew that I needed to go back to MAT because I had just laid there and I had already come off of trying to just do the body, the head, and the heart all at once. So I, I knew in that moment that I was either going to pack my bags and leave in the middle of the night and leave my family and just go hang live this out in the streets for as long as I could stay alive or I was going to figure this out so my plan was okay well I know that I need to get my body under control because if I'm not if I'm fighting my body my heart and my mind I'm not going to make it I've done this too many times so I'm going to go and I'm going to pick a program that had rules a program, you know, it had, I, I picked the program that everybody in town said, don't go there, don't go there, they're strict. So I picked that program, and and I knew that, you know, I made a, a, a deal with myself. I said, well, okay, I'll only go to this milligram. I just need the body to, you know, get evened out so that I can work on my head and my heart. And that's exactly what I did. Um I, I just dove into the trauma. I, I dove into my own thinking because I had to realize at some point that my own thinking was what kept keeping me suffering. You know, like like I, I couldn't let go of, number one, I had no self-acceptance. I couldn't let go of the past. I couldn't forgive, you know, the, the people in my life that I felt like were supposed to protect me and ended up putting me in harm's way. It was just all of that thinking. I, I was living underneath, under the influence of this story that I was telling myself of being a victim. And that's what kept showing up in my life. So I dove in. I made that program help me. I went from counselor to counselor to counselor until I found one that would help me. It was almost like, I, I think I'm not religious, but I think about this passage in the Bible where the story is that um, this one character is going to hold on to the leg of the angel and I'm not going to let go till you bless me. That was how I was when I went into this program. It's like, I'm not leaving here until somebody helps me heal like I need healing because if I'm just going to try to do clean and sober it's not going to work I'm not going to be the same miserable angry intensely angry human being and not have my coping skill you know I, I'm not I can't do this so I gotta heal so you I went after it the same way that you went after your dope. Bro, I went so after it. It was it was just crazy. I had two rules for myself. I said, number one, anything that I think to do, I'm going to do the exact opposite. This was early in the program. So I was like, my best thinking got me here. So whatever I think I should do right now, I'm just going to do the complete opposite and not ask a question. And I'm going to get so brutally honest with not only myself, 
but every human being that I come in contact with that I may hurt some feelings, I may step on some toes, I may let some stuff fly out of my mouth and my history that maybe I didn't mean to say, but I'm going to get so dadgum honest that because we know that like all the hiding, like hiding my identity, like my gender and all of that stuff, like hiding all of that had kept me in the dark for so long, you know, and I flipped on the light and that was that honesty. I have two questions. Get it to me. Before we get, you know, further. So we hear this a lot of times, sober, clean. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever said, what, what is the definition of sober? What's the definition of clean? Mm. Is it, are you clean when you get out of the shower? Like, but you're really not, you have bacteria on your skin all the time. Correct. Um, Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm looking like up, you know, because I'm a person that looks at, you know, the dictionary. So I'm looking, what's the definition of sober? And it's not intoxicated. Uh, Abstaining from drinking alcohol or taking intoxicating drugs, refraining from the use of addictive substances, sparing in the use of food and drink, marked by sedative or gravely or earnestly thoughtful character demeanor, unhurried mark of, I mean, who said like... What's what is that even? And who said you had to be whatever this is that we can't even define as? Yeah. Thing like there's. Yeah. So that's my first step, and that's you know first question is, you know, yeah. told you that you would be healthier if you were sober. Right, right, and you know, well, that leads into, you know, often. You know, that was the that was the language that was always thrown around. And I never really understood how dangerous subconsciously that language was within me, because, you know, and and I think it's in a lot of us and we don't even realize it, especially at my age, you know, been going through this for so long. That was all you heard, you know, and to the point that so if I'm not clean, then I'm dirty. And I think what that ends up doing is when we feel that way and we feel shameful, we manifest that life within us. We put ourselves in situations that reiterate that fact to us. Well, I'm dirty. This is all I'm worth. This, I'm going to live on the street. Like, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to go for it um, because that's as good as it gets for me. And, and you know, I love that the language and and those those subconscious ideas are are changing and i love that um but also you know recovery for me started before substance stopped you know i don't believe that you have to not be intoxicated for recovery to start because everything starts with all action starts with a thought and I mean, I had just walked out of jail that night and I had just, my wife had just mainline shot me in the neck and I was standing there. And when that feeling hit me, I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to sacrifice it. You know, this is what I'm sacrificing my son's health for. I didn't even care about myself at that time. I really didn't, but I cared about my son and that's what I was going to sacrifice it for. So that's when recovery started for me. So, you know, I love that you bring up those things and because it's it, it we don't realize how deep those roots go those subconscious roots go 
And, and that's been the language for so many years that sometimes, you know, it's, it's hard to even see what it does to us as human beings. Right. So great point. Great point, Ashley. And there's multiple pathways, you know, like you can, oh, gosh, yeah. you can work an abstinence-based program and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I'm not saying abstinence-based is the wrong way to go or and I'm right. not saying that another way is the right way. I'm just saying that those terms are very, very damaging. And I know it's they a celebratory are. thing for a lot of people, but those terms are killing people. They are. They are. They are. They ca- they 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 kept me. They kept me really damaged for a very long, long time. You know, I, I when you don't think that you deserve more in your life, you don't look for more. And at a certain point, you know, I had just figured there was no saving me. Like I was living under the influence of an identity and that identity was addict, you know fuck up um you know it was it was all of those things dirty human being and you know I, for what we do i th- in the recovery community my belief is that it's a blessing for so many different programs if we walk together through this you know it, it's it's an it's an amazing moment and we have to change it within us in order to change it within you know cuz the general public that has no idea. These are words that they've heard as well, and these are ideas and thoughts that they have. I mean, I, 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 I know. I, I'm probably not the only one that's been stepped over, in the street, or, or you know, or called names and different things. And those things just reiterate that belief system. And well, that's right. What and then the self-talk, you know, is so, so horrible, you know, that it, it, it's like a super hard habit to break. And there's a lot to be said about the power of positive thinking yes. and the power of positive affirmations and like thought stopping and just like reversing your language. Like you could say, Oh, you dumb fuck to yourself. And then be like, no, I'm not dumb. Like yeah. say it out loud. It might sound silly, but really if you make a habit of doing that, you can actually change the way your brain responds to stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. It works. It does, without a doubt. I mean, we're all sitting here living proof of that. You know, I started talking those, because everything we we say is an affirmation. So, you know, when when people talk about, well, you know, positive affirmations don't work. Well, well, they do. They just don't feel right because we've been negatively affirming ourselves for so long. And that's where our life is. We can look around and see what we've affirmed. And that's what's happening. And so it's just like everything in recovery, dude, like everything in recovery, especially early recovery feels so foreign. Oh, yeah. It doesn't make any sense to you. You're like, hell no. You know, when people give you these suggestions, but when you start to follow some suggestions, despite the fact that you don't know, you're going to take actions that you don't believe in and you're going to get results that you can't deny. Yeah. Ah, yes. Period. I have a second question. (laughs) And so when you said you, when you went back and you got on, you know, you got on that again and you addressed your trauma, was that the first time you'd ever addressed your trauma in your journey? It was, it was not the first time that I had talked to anyone, but yes, it was the first time that I tried to go to the roots. I, you know, I had done a lot of surface 
talking. You know, I'd been in therapy since I was 15. My parents started kind of putting me away places. And so I, I got pretty accustomed to, you know, the, the field of psychiatry. But I had never gone to the root of those things. So it was easy to stay on the surface, talk about what was happening. So yes, um, that was the first time that I really, I asked for help. I didn't want, just don't just sit and listen to me talk. Like, what do I do here? And I was not only just, I wasn't just utilizing the program. I was also, man, I, I was studying. I was reading. I mean, I had listened to this free webinar by Bob Proctor, and that was the first thing time I'd ever heard about your thoughts create your life. It was the only time I'd ever heard about positive thinking and affirmations, and it was the first time I'd ever heard about the, the you know, laws of the universe. And I start, And all of them, all those 12 laws that he talked about made sense, the law of cause and effect. I could understand that. Like, I could get that. Um, that, you know, and, and affirming and just how, and, and it was the first time I had learned anything about the conscious mind versus the subconscious mind. I'd always only ever been identified with my thinking and, oh my gosh, the master's here, the master's here. Another What's up? What's up, What's going on? Not much. How are you, man? In the house. I was you were on tonight, man. Well, I'm glad you're here. I was wondering if you were going to be able to show up, man. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, we had a uh, trip out to the beach today. We got back a little late. Look at him all tan. Rough work day. He's all bronze and such. <laughs> Costa Rica, it's good to see your face, man. Yeah, it's good, good to see, see y'all, man. I, I know it's been too long. I, Absolutely. I know a, AG and Brad don't return my phone calls anymore. <laughs> your phone call. It, like four minutes know. after you called me, and it was like a busy signal, then cut, and like cut off. It was like the weirdest thing. So then I sent you a text. And then you didn't respond for a while. Uh-oh. Yeah. I would call you back. <laughs> Jason never calls me. I would call you back. He <laughs> said, I would call you back. I sometimes call Yeah, back. if you called me, then I'd call you back. <laughs> oh, you're saying the phone works both ways, right? Two ways? Oh, I'll call you. Now, you're getting phone calls now, buddy. If he, I didn't know you wanted them. Uh-oh. Uh oh, now we're getting to the root. <laughs> what you want, I guess, is what Jason's saying. <laughs> Close mouth. I'll call you. Head, but now you said something. So. Uh oh. Jason has to put you in the rotation. <laughs> what's that, buddy? So what's going on tonight? What y'all talking about? Oh, listening to Elsie's story, man. Ashley's Ashley's got some amazing questions. I love Ashley's questions. So Ashley was just asking me a question about addressing trauma in in my recovery journey and asked me if that was the first time that I'd addressed it in this time. And the answer is absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, 
Because I knew I had to get to the root of it. Because, you know, if I didn't get to the root of it, I didn't want to just be constantly looking over my shoulder for relapse. That was the absolutely. real deal. Yeah, I didn't want to just be always one little half step away from relapse. Because I had been through that so many times. It just took, like I'd be going along, everything's good, everything's good. Life happens and boom, I can't handle life. I can't, you know, I had trained myself to believe that I couldn't handle hard things. And, you know, now I had a, a son, I had a wife, you know, like, like I, f it was responsibility and accountability for me that really helped me, you know, keep going through this, pro you know, keep going through this because I created my own program. You know what I mean? Like I listened to so much about the mind. I listened to, I learned so much about roots and trauma. I started learning about trauma in the body. I started learning about the processes of the brain and all the stuff that I had blamed myself for in that self-talk about, you know, how I, I couldn't stay at it for longer than this amount of time. And, and, you know, that was all that the brain processing out, you know, chemical and doing a reset. And, yeah. you know, I didn't know all that. And it was amazing learning that because it meant that for the first time I said, oh, my gosh, so this isn't just all my fault. Like, I'm just not a loser. I'm not a terrible person. This is part of this is like chemical and part of this is something else and part of this is old thinking. And so there are ways that I can change this. And that was the first time I think I realized there was hope for me. Um and, and every day I just got up until I could push through it for myself. I pushed through it for my son. So, you know, three months in the program that I chose actually had a housing program. So we were in our own house and, and, and I really overloaded myself to be totally and completely transparent. I probably looking back on it, overloaded myself right. in a very early stage, but at the same time, that was also what really kept me pushing through. And I was still a big, angry mess. Like I was still this, you know, like, like raw nerve walking around. But I was learning and I started a gratitude practice. And that really changed my life because it started changing my perception. And when we talk about, you know, our, our life is a direct result. We're watching it through the lens of our perception. And when I started learning about that and gratitude and little by little things just started changing, I had hope. Hope for the first time in my life ever. Amen. Yeah. Hope's huge. where it's at, man. Yes, big it shout. is. Hey, big shout out. I got you guys on our big screen TV here at Costa Rica Recovery. Wow. Oh, nice. Wow. <laughs> That's what's up. How is the, jo how is the job going? I love it, man. I love it. That's dude. great. I love it. I mean, it doesn't even feel like a job. Wow. Awesome. Wow. Days are rougher than others, especially the beach days, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't today your first beach day? No, he's had a couple. Oh, I thought he said it was his first one or something on Facebook this morning. Oh, no, he just said beach day today, and it must be the first time yeah. I've seen that. Wow. Yeah, yeah wow. last Last time I got, I was, I got, I came back red as a lobster. This time I put on uh, some, some sunblock. You're still a little bronze, man. You're still a little bronze. <laughs> That's great. That's yeah. great. I, I love that. Question about the comment you made it about life happens. 
Mm. And I think that's a thing we don't really address as much as we should in recovery, especially long-term recovery, because when you, you first get into recovery, no matter what your pathway is, you know, the goal is to continue on your pathway or to, to better yourself. But, you know, substance use is a a symptom or it's a, you know, coping skill, however you want to look at. So if you, if if that's your scope, hope I could speak your coping skill, Mm -hmm. then when you end up having children and they're crying or they're sick and you don't know what to do, or you and your wife are fighting or you and your husband are fighting or you're having a hard time at work or you just lost your job and you have to tell your significant other or you're worried about losing your housing or you lose a family member and you don't have your coping skill and you haven't made any new ones. What do Mm. you do? Man. What about life on life's terms, Ashley? That's like a, that's like a tenant of recovery. You know, that we, we learn these spiritual principles to live by and that those are our new coping skills to learn to live life on life's terms, you know, where like to, to LC's point, you know, like when I lost my mom, that's something that I definitely would have defaulted to. I can't deal with this. I'm going to get fucked up. And it wasn't even on the table because right. of the work that I've done. Right. You you've know, made which, new coping skills and you've yeah, done right, right. What I'm saying is if you haven't. And oh. only, so that's what I'm saying. What do you do when that happens? And that's why we lose a lot of people in life. Yeah. Because life does happen. It and does. You have to know ways you know, whether well, it be mindfulness or, you know, however you, you address your own stress and figure it out. Yeah. And, 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 and one real big thing that happened, like in that first, my first year of recovery is my wife had a full on relapse. Like she, my, my wife went completely back out and I, in that moment would normally have just followed her, but there was that that there was that situation you know i had so much on the table and i wanted to do this for my son you know like i wanted to keep a roof over his head so bad and i was so tired that i spent too far too much time ashley to be honest just white knuckling through and that was one of the reasons that by year 3 I began, you know, Hope and Recovery Network and started doing stuff online. It was because of those white knuckling times. So most of those times I'd go minute to minute just reminding myself and talking to myself, you know, and and I would reach out like I would call like I'd call my program I would call you know my therapist I'd call the counselor I would do and 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 throughout that first year there were times that I you know I did cope I did not like and once again I didn't cope with that drug of choice but I intoxicated myself with something that I knew wouldn't kill me um you know I don't know what it's okay to say here, but I, I smoked a bit until I started realizing that the smoking was starting to take the place and it was becoming my go-to coping mechanism. And then I had to have a whole nother talk with myself um, because I started what that was. Somebody in the comments said my drug of choice was more. That was my same situation as well. You know, so I had to constantly be watching my own line. Like I had to walk this line, but I stopped beating myself up for, you know, 
having those moments. I really did. And that took a lot because, you know, that was my default program was to go back and say, see, I knew you couldn't all that crap, you know, that we say to ourselves. And, and, you know, that was my conversation for, gosh, I was 10 years. I was almost 40. I mean, like I was 37, um, you know, coming into this. So I had, that was my default program and and all of that little work like with the gratitude practice you know that that instruction in that bob proctor video was to to every day for the next 30 days straight write down 10 things you're grateful for and that was like i was like what and then he was like well if you can't do 10 write down five and i could only think of one now I had the same wife, the same son, for whom I'm so grateful. We had a roof over our heads and all of that. But my default program was to only see the ways that I was failing them. So I couldn't be grateful for them. And I don't even write. My gratitude practice has grown so much that I can't even remember what that one thing was. But I held on to that one thing like it was my lifeline. For and I did that. So what any anything someone suggested to me during that time, I was hungry to build new coping skills, and I stopped listening to everything. So like I stopped listening to all my old music. I stopped driving. I used to call it my recovery battle plan. Um, I used to I, I'd take a different route to work if I was really really struggling. I would make sure that I didn't go through places that I had been through before. Like I, I just had to do everything opposite and I had to have my why. And, and, and I think that, you know, you know, I, I don't count any of those things in that first year as like a relapse. I don't count any of that, man. I was healing and I was, I was working on healing myself and, you know, that comes with scrapes and bruises. I, I got there through scrapes and bruises, you know, so yeah. I was healing wounds. And so I didn't just, I, I just got away from judging myself. And I had, I, I just tried to build people around me. And it's hard in that new, that new phase, because you feel like these trauma bonds to people, you feel these trauma bonds with, with these other human beings, or this, specific lifestyle and sometimes it's hard to remove yourself from that and you know that was a big thing for me like I had to remove myself and you know but but just you know I, I did a whole lot of white knuckling did a whole lot of reaching out and I was trying to build new coping skills like my life depended on it because it did and you know when I wasn't perfect which i don't think there is a perfect if you're alive and healing you're doing the damn thing like you're doing it so celebrate and honor that i started honoring the journey celebrating the journey you know right. stop regretting it reminds me of that saying you know like you're right where you're supposed to be right mm -hmm. now in this moment right like yeah it's a process and you know it, it makes me think of that scripture you know I will be a light that shines at your feet for you each next step. And it's like, oh, everything's yeah. dark and you don't know which way you're going, but each next thing that you see in front of you, you just tackle that. you be mindful in the moment, focusing yeah. on today and what 
what, what can I do for my recovery today? What can I do? You know, it's yeah. so it's so crazy because you might feel like you're spinning your wheels and you ain't getting anywhere. But then next thing you know, you look back and you're just like blown away. Like, look at how much I've yep. accomplished or how much I've changed, yeah. you know? like yeah. 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 And you start accomplishing like those little like life does start happening even and and it and and it's almost like before you know it like you're rolling with life like all of a sudden you're just not getting knocked off so quick or you're not getting you know so down like even if you change one word about yourself every day you know like if you do that once man celebrate that because that means something we create momentum when we celebrate and sometimes even in long recovery we forget sometimes those basics to go back and celebrate sometimes i know for myself i can only speak for me sometimes i take things for granted and i shouldn't you know i'm i'm grateful to be in a place today that i can go with life and i can hit strides and and i and and using is not my my focus or my thought i love what you said jason about you know your mom you know when your mom passed away that that wasn't on the table i'm grateful for that but recovery to me <laughs> I, has nothing to do even with substance. It's just a constant state of forward motion of just becoming your highest and best self, regardless of what the world says that is. Like, who's that for you? Right. Like, what's your divine being? What's well, that and then, you know, you? you're going to work on one thing, to you know, now and then like in a little bit, that light is going to illuminate something else. You yeah. Know, as we, we're building self-awareness through the process. Yes. and. So yes. stuff will be on your radar that never would have been before because you've addressed some of that other stuff. And now you're like, oh, geez, this is this is an issue. <laughs> yeah. Know? And there's always a new thing. There's always Absolutely. something to work on. Always. Absolutely. Yeah, we've talked about that a couple of times. With, you know, he, is Jason with you, like recovery whack-a-mole or whatever. <laughs> because it's like. The, yep. the more you fix it's like the more that's there it's like it's just like a never-ending like yeah you know thing and yeah. it's it's like when am i going to be done but you're you're never going to be done right yeah and if yeah. i'm being humble then i have that mentality but if i'm thinking that i got it and i and i'm a, i'm good and now i'm like looking down my nose at people and i think i'm like the shit no, man. No, no, no. Yeah. That's yeah. a bad place to be. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thought process that we all seem that, that a lot of us seem to have, and this was a big thing for me, is changing the thought process that I'm not supposed to go through things. Like, I don't know where I had this fairy tale within me that, <laughs> you know, that I wasn't supposed to go through hard things. Like, I had this different picture of life, and I thought other people had it. And I didn't. So I really felt cursed. Like I, it was a whole spiritual, you know, it's, it's been so much of everything that I had to really start looking into, you know, like, like things like that. Like, I, I think it was Jonathan England that talked about the 87th problem or 88th problem. And, you know, which is, you think you're not supposed to have problems. That was a big thing for me, you know, like it's that 87th problem. Oh, you think you're not supposed to have problems. But I've learned to to flip that around in that that's what growth is. Like we think we're somewhere until that place we think we're away from shows up. 
because you don't really know how much you've grown until you get hit with opposition, you know, and you think I'm over it. I got this. And then, of course, opposition comes not so that you can say I failed, but so that you can go, oh, so here's the evidence of this work that I've done and I've still got a little more work. So it's like just, it was changing my whole narrative about, you know, opposition in every opposition is an opportunity for growth and everything that I've been through when my wife was in that relapse, then she was being overly medicated, which again happens to a lot of, I think females coming into especially, you know, different situations, but, Instead of being in that place to to do that inner work, she was very much over-medicated because she was still feeling depressed. I think that comes with that, you know, when you're, you do have an addiction to pain medicine, it's all surrounding doctors and medical. So you're still in the mind where you trust the medicine more than the guidance. And so she kind of fell asleep, not kind of, she fell asleep on our family for like the next seven years. Like it was just January the 2020 that my wife had a small heart attack and woke up and has come back to be a part of our family. So there was nothing in my, you know, recovery that was being easy. And I even started, I couldn't separate what she was going through from how it was affecting me and our family and our son and and all of those things until I started doing some I invested in some trauma coaching some trauma mentoring and that was like boot camp for trauma healing but when I turned the mirror back around on myself and just started working on me and you know letting her have her journey and realizing that this was her journey and this is something she had to go through and I got to work on me like why this is affecting me so much what's the real root here there's always a deeper question and it always comes back home to us that's when I could release her energy and then you know she could be able to work on herself because I was holding all that hostage like why can't you wake up for me? You know, this is how this is affecting me, 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 me. It was such a selfish thing, but I didn't realize it was selfish. You know, I thought that if I was worrying about her and, and I tried everything to try to wake her up, that's her journey. And that, that's hard to accept, you know, in our lives that as much as we have our journey, the people around us have theirs. Because I know a lot of times in new recovery, we want everyone to you know, fall in line because we know that this is it for us or this is our time and we're and we want everybody to believe us and we get mad when they don't and, and I get that. I was there. Like we get pissed off. Entirely. But, and yeah, very much so. But I but to just kind of relax and, and let you know, you gotta let your life speak for you. You gotta go on your journey and let other people have theirs. Let them have their trauma and heal. I had to realize her trauma wasn't about me. Like she was not at the space where she could do her route. Now she started now, but she's five years into recovery on MAT. Like when, thank God, exactly. Because any one of those days I'd go to sleep every night just and say goodbye to her in my head in case I walked downstairs the next morning and found her no longer with us. 
And that was the normal of life for seven years of, of making myself go to sleep, knowing that she may die down there mm. and all by herself. And so, you know, like that, that was that there was nothing easy. But now what I know is that gave me such a perspective to relate to every man so I can relate to the families of people that are going through this. I relate surely to those that are, you know, within it and going through it. You know, I, I, I get to relate so much, you know, like like I have no judgment within me. Like, how in the world can I judge anyone else or their path? Like, your path is your path, man. Just get healthy within you. Like, what that means to you. Because we don't have to suffer for suffering's sake. You know, if, if there's something else and bigger about it, it seems to me, for me, it's a lot easier, so to speak, to move through it with purpose. Right. And when I you know, you were on one side and then you had to go through all of that on the side of being in recovery and watching the person you love the most going through that. Like now, now you just like in recovery, our lived experience is so valuable. That's Mm -hmm. why, you know, your lived experience with that is equally valuable, you know, for for families. Yeah. And I got to understand how what my family went through, you know, for the first time ever. I got to understand, and I knew that when I was sitting in it, when I was going through it, I was like, "Wow!" Like that's I a never, bitter pill of truth. It to swallow. very much is. It very it's, much is. Yeah. It, it was huge. It was huge. It's huge. And I think so. The thing that you know is so hard about a lot of this stuff, and with recovery, is that you want them. To, to find it so bad that sometimes it's hard to not control the situation and to let it go. Cause you, you know, you love the person. And I'm, I mean, I had an experience with someone and it wasn't someone nearly as close as my significant other, but it was a friend, you know, and they, they utilized, you know, I helped them a long time with their mat stuff and helping them pay for stuff. And they're like, if, if you stop helping me, I'm going to, need heroin today and and like it kept me on this path of and and eventually like bridge said i I had to use boundaries because i didn't know if i was supporting what what i was supporting at that time and and it was like this is you know really not good for me it's you know taking the money from my kids is not good to like give to and so it was like literally the last time i saw her i told her i wouldn't i couldn't give her money and I'd already, you know, I told her I would go with her to her doctor's appointment. I'd pay for it there. I'd call over the phone and pay for it. Like, I just wouldn't give money. And um, <coughs> it was literally like it killed me walking away mm-hmm. because she was crying. Like, I felt like it was the last time I was ever going to see her and I was going to be responsible if she had an overdose. And like, so the trauma that, you know, that holds in like a said this was someone that was not nearly as close to me as like I can't imagine going through that every day and and the trauma and the the effects and how hard yeah that must have been it 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 was literally like to come to that place where I 
I had to like release her energy. Like I had to just release that and make the boundaries. I, so my, my grandparents were my biggest enablers and, and I drew on that experience, but you can only do it so much because you're right. You feel so much a push and pull. Like you understand what it's like to be in that situation. I was so scared she was going to do something and get arrested and ruin her and go through the things I went through. But I also understood that, you know, I, for, I had to, I made a promise to my grandfather on his within his dying breaths that I was going to figure out how to change my life and make something amazing of my life. And this was in 2008. I had no idea how I was going to do that, but that promise was a big catalyst to bring that to me. But I often said, you know, my grandparents had to die in order for me to live because they were such enabling of me that as much as I wanted to stand on my own feet and get better, I could push the button too quick. Like I could, I could, you know, tap quick and they would be right there. And so I kind of drew on that experience. I never did things perfectly. But what's really even more hurtful is to know that, that my son, our son is 23. He just turned 23 uh, last week and he is in a relationship with um, an older woman who has a very real, you know, um, situation happening, and she's much older than he is, and I see from the outside, he's trying to save his mom through her, and I see so much of the manipulation happening, and, and, you know, and I keep trying to tell him, like, this is not she's this is not a she's not a bad human being like you can't judge this this is a disease that has taken over her life and and I tried to have that conversation with him the other night as much as he could understand and remind him of some of the times that he watched between me and me and his mom and I said you know sometimes it takes more love to build a boundary and not be the enabler. And his, his comment back to me after that long conversation was, yeah, but if I don't do this because he goes out and works every day and he gives all the money to her and they, you know, they don't have things. I mean, like I said, you're living the lifestyle. You're just not getting, you know, the reward at the end. Right. But I, you know, I said to, to, to build this boundary, he says to me, well, then, you know, she's going to get mad at me and say really hurtful things. And then she's going to tell everybody that I'm the asshole and everybody's going to turn against me. And I had to tell him, listen, man, a lot of people want her to stay the same. And the, the person that stands by her and doesn't keep giving into this thing is the person that shows love, you know, and, and it doesn't matter what they think. Because I had to remind him, you know, when I t- reached out to your mom's people, when I when we were at the worst of the worst, like I did not know what else to do. And I reached out to her people and nobody helped us. I said, but today she's healthier. We're, hel- we're both healthier, happier than ever. I said, and 
To this day, her people still blame me. I said, and ask me how many fucks I give. Because that woman is still alive and I'm still walking by her and with her. And it's only because I set boundaries and I healed myself and I loved her. You know, and and I was willing to do the hard things because I, you know, I had to. I had to give it a shot. You know, I had to try this boundary thing. And so, you know, I, it's hard to see what's going on. It's hard to sit back and not try to control the situation. But, you know, I have to draw on those same experiences with her, which is we will not send him money. Um, you know, it's it's every other day because he's not taking care of any of his stuff. Everything goes to that. And I, I keep trying to make him understand this is what it's going to be. And you know that. This, you know, this keeps going until nothing's left. That's the nature of the beast. So, you know, you got to decide, man. You got to really decide. And so I've, I've, I've arranged help for her and it's, it's sitting there when she's ready. And I just keep trying to reiterate to him that I'm here to support you. You can talk to me. I don't think she's a bad person by any means. I can't. Like, I understand what she's going through. And I understand that you love her. And and sometimes we can't love people through things. Mm. And sometimes, you know, we have to set a boundary and and help them, you know, get help them get themselves to a place where they want to get better. And sometimes, as we all know, sitting here, that sometimes you got to reach your absolute groundbreaking mm. bottom to get to a place where you're ready to stand up, you know. So, you know, it's a hard situation on every end watching him go through that. But, you know, we just don't we can't support it. Even if he calls me for money for oil for the car, it's like I can't. My recovery tells me that I can't support another person's habit, even if it comes through buying oil for your car because your money that mm. you should have bought oil with went to that. So in essence, if I send you oil money, I'm still supporting that. Mm. And so you got to understand that's my boundary. That's that's mine and your mom's boundary for our recovery. But, you know, like we're we're here for you. We're here for her and we've never met her, but we're here for her in whatever that she needs. So, you know, it's it's hard though. It is and hard. What a blessing though the path that you've had to walk has put you in a unique position where you can impart this wisdom into him. And hopefully it takes root soon because he needs to, he needs to see, you know, that desperately sometimes helping isn't helping. Yes. It's just prolonging the inevitable or, or hurting them, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I Thanks, hope Brett. that he understands. I hope that he really understands that because, you know, I, I tell him just back up from the situation and look, you know, right. when you first met it. her. Yeah, when you first met her, she was moving around. Now it's she never she just doesn't get out of the bed. You know, she's you know, she's put on a lot of weight. She's unhappy with herself, you know, for her own issues. It's like she's a hurting soul. And this is just kind of a temporary band-aid and, you know, like, like what happens when her body says enough's enough? Like, you know, it's like you just don't know what to say. And when it comes to your children, 
you know, it's a fine line because to me, his drug of choice is saving her. So, you know, codependency is a trap, dude. It is. And it's an easy one to fall into, you know, especially if the person can manipulate you into thinking like, you know, it's why it's so important to like learn what's mine and what's not mine. Right. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. If you can make that distinction in your life, you're going to be better for it because that's not mine, you know, <laughs> and and how dare you put that on me like it's mine, my responsibility, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, he, he at least at minimum should be able to uh, make sure his priorities are met. You know, and he's yeah. meeting his real responsibilities before he's trying to meet the responsibilities of somebody else. Right, right, right. And and that was my big that was my big program to him was like, listen, why don't you just start with this boundary? Just 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 go in and say, listen, I'm willing to take care of the bills. I'm willing to take care of the household. I'm willing to take care of the food in the house. But you have to get up. And take care of that part for you. I said, start somewhere. I said, at least. I said, because if if she never has to go out and go through the things, what's going to be the inspiration for her to pick her, you know, life up and heal herself? You know, if she's not ever going out and doing anything, it's just coming to her. You know, what's going to happen when, you know, like I said, her body gives out and she didn't get her opportunity to have her awakening moment. I, I'm so grateful for my rock stinking bottom moments. Every one of them. Because there ain't been just one. There's been many. I'm so grateful for them. They got me here. They got isn't, me here. Isn't it amazing how when you, you are able to change the way you think from why did that happen to me? Or what did I do to deserve this happening to me? Or what the heck? Why is this another crappy thing happening to me until you can turn it into thank god i've been through that and i learned this so i can do this like yeah i'm so glad i learned that that time i would never have known that to know in this situation like it's just to me that's one of the coolest things is being able to be grateful for some of the hardest times Yes. Is the true paradox of recovery. It is. It is. It's exciting. It'll flip everything upside down on its head. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's exciting to me. Like I, I just I I get like I get so excited about, you know, like going through things. And I know it sounds ridiculous and you know but that's what it is, because I set out to to know the truth, know myself. You know, I'd never known myself. Never at all. I had only known nothing but denial or or pushing away the parts of me that, that, you know, the abused part, you know, the confused part, the, you know, the cutter, the all of these things, you know, I pushed all of that away from myself. This time of coming home to myself and, and, and we can be completely clear, like the first one and two years of the recovery process it's okay that you're not there like like there's a lot that's happening in that time you know with the body and the brain and all of that stuff like like you know i often sometimes you know when i talk about it now i don't want to alienate people who might be in their very first like moments of of thinking about the healing process and 
and and have that still have that self-talk of like well i'm not there i'm not doing it right no like if you're moving no matter how fast or what if you're moving towards no knowing yourself or being you know the best version to you you know not what somebody else says is your best version but the version you feel like you're doing it and and you're you're doing it but it's an amazing place to be you're right ashley great great place to be i have a question for everybody that we can like go through by the squares so squares if if somebody were were to ask you do you wish you had never suffered from addiction? Do you wish you never had to find recovery? What would you say? I'd, I'd, I would say I'm so grateful. No. I'd say I'm grateful for every every part of my journey. So, mm-hmm. you, part. so you wouldn't you wouldn't? I wouldn't trade, trade it. it. No, 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 no. I wouldn't trade it. Not one thing. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade it either. Jason. No, everything that I went through put me in a unique position to help somebody else. And I firmly believe that my, you know, similar to LC's story, like my initial hunger for knowledge, for wisdom, for help and, and trying all these different things. And, you know, it's like, and then, you know, having the blessing of being able to do things like this, you know, with the podcasts and everything is like, I get to learn about all these different pathways to recovery and principles of recovery from all different walks of life. And, you know, and not only do I get to learn it, but now I'm providing like a, like some concrete, you know, content that other people can watch or listen to and they can learn about it too, because that that's true empowerment for me, you know, like I, and I know that my trauma and my past has led me to, it's equipped me. It's equipped me with this mm. ability, this ability to really, uh, help a lot of people who are struggling in a myriad of different ways you know and that's so it's all been you know turned around and so now it's working for good instead of tearing me apart anymore (laughs) so i'll say ditto to what you all said but think about this when we were going through it like i know for me personally i hated myself i thought i was the lowest human being but that person that I was made me the person I am today. So I'm grateful for that person. And so like, if anyone's listening and you feel like you're the worst person in the world, or you don't think that you deserve anything, one day you're going to be grateful. I hope Mm. one day you're going to be grateful. Like us, we just heard four people that said that they wouldn't trade their worst times in to have a perfect life. Mm. Well, it's funny how many times I survived suicide attempts. And yet Mm. whenever I see somebody in, in that type of feeling and they're not expressing it, they're hiding, trying to hide it. And I recognize it and uh, am able to reach them as a result. I'm like, man, it's almost like it's a superpower. I'm so grateful for that. And I wouldn't have that without all that. Mm. You know? and, and the thing I think about too is if I didn't go through what I went through 
and I didn't struggle with substances, would I have ever been in a place in my life where I then reflected on who I am and mm. had to do that deep work? Or would I have just stayed just kind of that surface level, just okay with who I was kind of person? Mm-hmm. Yes, I think totally. about that often. Yeah, it's, it's quality, right? Like the quality of life is mm-hmm. off the charts. Like, yeah. We can experience real things now. Joy, real joy, real yeah. pride, you know, yeah. real, real things. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, I thought I knew, I thought I knew what that stuff was before, but it was all fleeting, you know. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. temporary. Yeah, yeah. What Living were you up to I said real belonging. Oh, what you an know, amazing word! Yes. To- like this right here yeah like we can be ourselves and we can talk about it and and we're accepted and that's an amazing thing yeah and it's valuable i think that you know even where we are in society right now that's you know i i will never stop saying that the recovery community is positioned to help society as a whole and i i really it's why you know i the one thing that I do like struggle with as far as, you know, anger goes um, is I, I do get exceptionally angry sometimes when I see different conflicts happening within the recovery community that's judgment based. You know, I'll, I'll never, you know, when I began my uh, gender transition, I was already, you know, doing live videos and had already built, you know, a a fairly decent platform. And I was talking to people about, you know, you got to get to the root causes of, you know, of this, you got to get to your roots, you got to get to your roots. So you heal that and you're, you know, you're not always running. And I I couldn't be a hypocrite and then just go away and then just try to reemerge. You know, that's why I continued to share. And when I kept seeing people come at me with hate in, from the recovery community, like that hurt me more than just regular old hate. Like this was an extra level of hate because I thought, how do we, with each and every one of us being compromised in situations that we would rather probably not tell anyone else or revisit in our minds, it's like, how do we then stand in judgment or hate of one another? And I think... The work that I've had to do around that is when we hold hate, we are we are holding fear. We are afraid of being uncomfortable. And what I learned and what I have learned through all of this is that that it's almost makes my heart more open for that person because I think what you're resisting, you know, when you resist something that's try that's change trying to come in that's that's an opening of your whole heart trying to come in and you're blocking it by doing that so it's easy to spew hate at things yeah. we don't understand but that's what society does to us as people in recovery or or people in you know active addiction that's what they spew hate because they're separated from it and we can't afford to do that because these are lives we deal in lives you know like like we that's what we're dealing with we're not just dealing with you know surface stuff we're dealing with lives and too many people are losing theirs trying to medicate internal pain and you know and 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 society's throwing bombs at them 
everywhere, and that's up to us to change. Yeah. And we can do that, but we do that by supporting one another and loving one another and honoring each other's journey. You know, like I don't think that shade should be thrown in our community. That reminds Wishful me thinking. of a. That reminds me of a saying where it says to look for the similarities, not the differences. Better believe you know. It. When you're fr- when you're fresh, when you're new, what do you do? You try to like disqualify yourself from the group. You try to like alienate yourself from the crowd because I'm not as bad as them over there, and I'm nothing like them over there, and I didn't do that stuff that those guys did, and blah blah blah. It's <laughs> you're just cheating yourself, man. Focus. Try to find the similarities rather than the differences. Mm. You know. Yeah. It's supposed yeah. to be a safe space, you know what I mean? An inclusive space where yeah. all are welcome, you know, if you yeah. identify or you have a desire to get better. And uh, there's too many uh, people out there that are that way. You know, their, their minds snap shut at something they don't understand. And you know what's crazy, Elsie, is you be dropping some hardcore wisdom, bro. And they would look at you and just not even listen to a word that came out of your mouth. And you're probably spitting something that saved their damn life. You hope. You know, you hope. That's why I share so openly about it. It's not yeah. comfortable to do. You know, at any time, you know, I don't have to talk about it or I don't even have to say it at this point, you know. But it's like we're all, in all honesty, we're all going through transition. Gender transition is no different from the transition from, you know, of healing within. It's just that you get to see my shadow work and, you know, anyone else can just kind of hide theirs. And, you know, so... It, that's what it is like when i see you know like like i don't to me you know when i see someone even just going through gender transition because it's the easiest thing to see i get inspired and i do that because i think here's someone who is stepping straight through fear who's taken in some in some some days i take my life in my own hands you know to just walk out and and be who I am openly in public you know like these are things you might not every day have to think about but if it's that important to me like if it's if if I'm willing to do that to know my true self my own wholeness you know and it goes much deeper than just you know gender it it goes much deeper than that it's a whole process like recovery is a whole process if i'm willing to do that and i look at someone else who's willing to do that that inspires me and if we spent more time finding inspiration within each other you know versus trying to find all the ways that i'm better than you or you're doing it better than me there's inspiration in all of it. We're all valid in what we've gone through and what we have to share about and what we have to talk about and add. You know, it's it's too beautiful to... A big part of it, too, is... So you said you have, you know, your one thing that still brings you mad and hate. My thing is, I have two. Hypocrites and... And uh, the other thing is entitled assholes. So um, <laughs> now when I'm going to say like, critical, like we all want freedom. We all want to be able to, you know, we live in the United States. We believe we should be free. Yeah. 
So if you're not hurting somebody else, what is it my business? Like, why am I looking at someone looking to, to tell them what to do right. when they're not looking at me trying to be like, it's, it's not hurting me. Right. So why would I be able to judge what you're going through or, or even want to have an opinion on it? I like, know. And then, and then like secrets, you know, our secrets made us sick. Like, oh my God. You know that. So yep. then we, you know, you go to a meeting and a certain places it's like, well, I do this. Am I allowed to come here? Y yeah, everybody does, but just don't talk about it. Don't tell anyone. Mm -hmm. You're literally mm -hmm. telling someone to lie, which is secrets and shame are what yep. made us sick. Yes. Yes. And it's like, so. The problem hidden just perpetuates the problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. No. Yeah. It shrinks in the light and it grows in the dark. I mean, that's a pretty yeah. easy concept to uh, understand, but only once you try, you know, to take that risk and and put it out there, you can, you know, experience that uh, result. But until you experience it, you're like, nah, you know, it's just easier to keep it hidden. It's just yeah. easier to lie. Easy easy and you're right and 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 like we were talking about before you know one of the big places that i that i find a lot of that is is the whole argument surrounding medication assisted treatment you know yeah, i, good, good I hear people you brought it you brought it I, that's in it it's, it's the perfect <laughs> stigma it's the perfect stigma around it is that you know you don't be honest about what's helping you and don't be honest you know don't tell anybody and, and that's you know, like, like again, we we all come to our moments, our awakening moments at different times. You know, maybe mine happened and started happening in year three. Someone else's happens in year twenty or whatever. But the common denominator, like we said, is we got to be alive to come to the moment. So you know, for people to say, well, if somebody's on uh, MAT, then they're not really in recovery, or this, that, and the other. Recovery is not substance-based. Recovery is healing-based to me. And so, again, we got things out right now. We're talking about dangerous levels of fentanyl right now. Dangerous levels. People are going one and done, and they're not coming back. You know, so why would we have this argument about and, and that comes again that comes from fear you know like it comes from that that i think and i'd love to know what you think ashley because you have some great insight on this and all of you i'll ask a square question but i think sometimes it, it comes from that place of of where you wanting to punch down on somebody else when you when you want to be here so that you can feel important and then punch down on something and you know so that's sometimes like my perception of it is is an identity of I'm better than you. I need to feel better than you so that I can feel something. I mean, what do y'all think it is? Any square? <laughs> I think you're exactly right. Most people that become bullies have been bullied. Mm. And when you are able to bully somebody else, it makes you feel good about yourself. Mm. Oh, it. The, those people that bully others, it makes them feel like they have power or that they are over, you know, it's, they haven't done the work. They yeah. 
still need to be validated by being powerful or being on top. And there's no power in hurting somebody else. There's absolutely none. No, no. Beautiful. Yep. I think they have an illusion of control. You know, Mm. they think that if I can hurt them before they hurt me, then it's kind of a a survival thing, Uh, Mm. especially if they've been, you know, bullied. And that's what made that flip happen where they were like, nope, never again. I'm not even going to give you the chance. Yeah. You know, never going to let you close enough. And I'm going to. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I think if I could if I could speak candidly for a moment, because I do it. Yeah, because I mean, I, I kind of had an issue with Matt in my early recovery and oh, didn't really you. understand it. And I think for me, part of the reason that I didn't agree with it is I saw it as an easier way. It's like, well, you still get to use a substance like, mm. you know, I had that mindset of like, why do you get to do that? But I because I, I came from the you know 12 step background complete abstinence that was kind of the mindset that was planted in me in early recovery it was like well, why do they still get to use why do they get this softer way so i think that's where maybe some people come from is looking at that as like well they're still using why do they, why do they get to do that and call themselves you know, why do they get to say they're in recovery all right i love that i love that you said that on what you said I love it because were you ever mean or talk down or hurt somebody that was on mat because of your beliefs did i yes no okay you can you cannot believe in something and not bully somebody or cause harm right. you don't have right. to believe no i agree uh, so, so so what you you just didn't have you just weren't at the place you're at now and hadn't heard different you know like that there's nothing wrong with what not knowing that there's something wrong when you don't know and you pretend to know and you hurt somebody or if you just intentionally hurt someone because you're mean like what we're talking about is somebody actually causing harm to somebody else because but i am clear that up because i don't want people to think just because they're against something you know but if you see somebody being bullied and you sit there and don't do anything based right. on your beliefs, then you are part of the problem too. But if you just have a belief, you can have any belief you want. And just like yeah. I said, if you're not hurting someone else, you're allowed to believe whatever you want. This well, is such and a like, great conversation. And we, should be, and we should be able to have a conversation where we exchange yes. ideas and, and uh, you know, that we can accept each other for where we're at. And we're not trying to bring you know them onto our side you know just to you know to understand each other better yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah i love that you i love that you said that brent and i i love that we're having this conversation because you know that was i was thinking in my head over another scenario and i thought i wonder if it if if that's part of the thought process too that that someone says well that looks like an easier route and that's you know that was i love that you said that and we can have that conversation because see to me like jason just said it's a beautiful example of being able to sit in different places and be able to speak about something and you know without it because you know 
I can understand that that belief system. But again, you know, like like you say, you know, Ashley, it's like when we're hurting each other. And I guess, you know, what that was exactly where my mind was because I went there because, you know, I've heard that I've had, you know, people like bully me when it whenever I, you know, that's why I got off of MAT in the beginning and in the first place and ended up in the nine month relapse was because of that people to accept. Yeah, exactly. Just just to try to belong in this. And and I didn't honor my own journey or where I'd been. I kind of discounted that for approval. And, and probably you know, that almost really killed did me. yourself a lot of harm, you know, because believe it or not, you guys, some people need medication assisted treatments. You know, they do. They need they it. Do. They do. Oh, hey, Pamela. Pamela's a beautiful and amazing human being. Hi. There's oh, a lot of medication. There's diabetics that need insulin. There's yes. people who need blood pressure medicine. Like you're not less than somebody right. in abstinence because you you need a medication to if you're living so true. A productive and productive is a really wide concept too. Like it yep. doesn't have to mean you're a millionaire or anything like if you are you know, contributing to the community, you're not hurting the community, you're you know, like then it doesn't you're not less than because you Absolutely. Absolutely. It's almost like telling someone who's who uh, takes an antidepressant that they're they're you're still depressed. Like, you know, they're taking an antidepressant and they're doing their all this wellness stuff. And they say, I feel better than I've ever felt. And they're like, no, not really. You're still depressed, you know, because you're, you're taking that antidepressant. So it's that. So, you know, I, I think there's so many amazing points to it to it all. I just I just want people to live, you know, you do that, like, I just want people to live. You know, we do that yeah. with depression medicine as we tell them, oh, you've gained weight. Even yes. Even though it's a side effect of the medication and they're yes. taking you happy. Say, oh, you gained a lot of weight. <laughs> like, why do you need to open your mouth and tell someone they gained weight? Does that, like, right. do anything for anyone? Right, right, right. What an amazing conversation because it that that's what was happening. My wife was, you know, like on that she was ashamed to be on the medication and then that ashamed led her to be on more medication and she just wanted to feel better. Mm-hmm. And and I can say that I didn't know how to handle this and I, you know, I did all the things I knew to do. So like I begged her, you know, please stop taking the medicine or please do something else. But then I, and then I was critical at times. Like, you know, like I didn't help her until I released her and let her be on her journey but you know I can say I contributed sometimes to that because you know I was trying to control the situation and it's hard to admit that sometimes but you know you got to admit the hard stuff to be able to heal from it and so you know I was critical of her and I, I added to that and a lot of that same stuff happened you know the side effects of the medicine were that they caused her drowsiness and and we look at things like somebody can help that and she couldn't help that she was doing exactly what her doctor told her to take like she wasn't taking extra medicine she was taking it that way and she was just believing that this was as good as it gets for her when i started having compassion and trying to understand that this is my the the woman that i love the the most in the world is hurting like she's a hurting human being she's just not doing this living this way for fun like she wouldn't just check out on her family for fun because she just wanted to be escaping she's hurting 
There's a deeper story happening there. There's a deeper call. There's a deeper need. And and, and I, I, I'm so grateful every single day that she is on MAT. I'm so grateful she, that she was on MAT then. She's still alive to have this awakening. You know, and her awakening came in the form of a small heart attack in 2020, which again was a side effect of, you know, some of her medication and therefore she was able to start medically working with those things and now she's healthier than she's ever been, not because of, you know, She's just started doing that and it wasn't just that because that medicine didn't just help her just that. She had to do that and this and this. I mean, recovery is a this and this and this and this kind of program to me. I'm just so grateful to have her. And, you know, MAT saved my life. It it has changed you know, like many lives, I, I I don't think I would be here if I had not taken that proactive step to get my body under control because I couldn't fight both. You know, I had proved to myself that I couldn't fight both. And sometimes we just got to trust people that they know what's best for them and just honor that, honor that. So if there's anybody out there that's feeling ashamed or weak, you know, that you're or not being accepted because you are on medication medication-assisted treatment, please don't do that to yourself. Please honor every moment that, you know, you do what's right for you. You do what's right for you. I love, you. I I love that you said that, you know, that you judged and controlled because I don't think that there's a single person that can say they haven't <laughs> judged or they haven't tried to control a situation. I can tell you that early in recovery, I judged plenty. Like it's, and, and I don't think that anyone should feel bad about mistakes that they made in the past. It's just as you hear about this and you hear how it affects somebody else, don't do it again. Like, <laughs> you don't need to sit and feel guilty at this point because right. that doesn't really help anybody. What helps people is not doing it again and changing the way you approach the situation. So I think that that's like a big thing. Sometimes that keeps people in that you know, the habit of continuing to do it because they feel ashamed they did it. And, you know, like they don't want to be ashamed that they might've been wrong or think about that. I would, you know, like, it's like how you make sure, you know, it doesn't happen to anyone else. And that's all that needs to happen. Absolutely. We got a caller. Oh, nice. All right. Welcome caller. Hi, it's a bridge guy. Hey! Hey! Yay! Yes! Thank you. I just wanted to give my two cents on Matt because I feel like there's so many judgments still out there, and a lot of that is just based on, um, you know, the past experiences people had or had with other people. And I'm sorry, but today is a whole new world. We're so much more advanced and more have so much more knowledge that a lot of those judgments aren't even valid today. And it, it really upsets me when people don't take the time to actually, you know, they form this opinion without any really current knowledge or education on it. Right. Mm, yeah. Yes. So true. So true. Gosh, we have come so far. We have yeah. come so far in those ways, you know. I remember when there was just one medicine and that was that and, you know, that's that's such a valid point. We have come so far. Well, and it so makes me far. think of like when you, 
it's like, dude, if you want to speak on it, then you better know about it. Like, yeah. do your research, do your due diligence if you want to be in a position to speak on it. And to your point, Bridge, then if they did that due diligence, then they would they would be singing a different tune. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, oh, sorry. Just real quickly, not to be morbid, but the reality is mad is way better than dying yeah. because right now we're losing a person every seven minutes on an overdose. Absolutely. So we don't have time to sit here and judge people. Mm-hmm. You need to get yourself, to, you know, some knowledge, some, some education. Like I'm a certified peer recovery specialist. And just that one week training, I mean, completely blew my mind, let alone yep. it opened. I saw a lot of people's minds in that room. Yeah. Amazing. I'm Amazing. glad you took that class, Bridge, because I see you, girl. <laughs> you out here, she, you guys, Bridge is from my area, and she's doing a lot of good for a lot of people. She's got the Kiss Recovery 101 podcast. And then Outstanding. she's also uh, helps put on the Frogtown Radio, the Rise Up Hour on oh, Sundays. Right. Sundays, uh, 8 p.m. Cent- or 1 p.m. Central. It's badass. <laughs> It's badass. Bridge, I have a question for you. It's outstanding. Of course. So my question is, do you think that people judge Matt or they have opinions on Matt because they're on certain pathways and they believe people won't come to their pathway if they accept it? Oh, that's a good point. It's a very good question. There's definitely some people that are doing that. Yeah. I just think that a lot of people forget that just because something worked for you doesn't necessarily Mm. mean it's going to work for me. We don't know Mm -hmm. people's um, environments they grew up in. We don't know their trauma. We don't know what just happened, you know, maybe a year ago, like life on life terms. And so whatever you work for you, that's not going to apply to me. I got a lot more going on, a lot more things maybe already in my system that I've been on for years. You know, we just can't, punish people into abstinence mm. we can't punish people into recovery Woo. exactly you know? good and then it's like it's like you're telling them that they don't qualify for recovery because they're taking something that helps them you know that's like telling somebody who's on depression medication that they don't deserve recovery until they get off the depression medication and it's right. like bro I know, I know it does, and it's <laughs> fucked up because you can't do that. No, no. It's like I gotta work. Oh the, I gotta, yeah, I gotta work a program of recovery in order to learn how to fucking cope with my depression, motherfucker. <laughs> so <laughs> that's I, why I need depression meds. <laughs> when I first got into recovery, probably the first year or two, I would not even carry a Tylenol bottle in my purse because. I was afraid I wasn't allowed to even take Tylenol. Like, yeah. it's I wouldn't ask Tylenol when I had a headache. There's people out there that, that won't use mouthwash because there's yep. alcohol in it. So, yeah. you know, there's How all different steps. Is that? And, <laughs> right. Well, and the two words, like two words, okay? Harm reduction. So whatever it takes to reduce that harm should always be looked at as a positive thing, right? Yeah. Everybody's in shame already. Why would we want to beat them up anymore? Oh, so it. true. 
Sh so true. Because what is addiction is a disease of shame. And I also know that I've I've I've, I've I've heard a lot of people also bring this opinion based on their experience with Matt. And I think one of my great one of my greatest assets in my life is I have been every type of Matt you know, client. I've been the one that did exchange completely. I just exchanged, thought that was great. Then I have been, you know, a, a surface mat, you know, that was, that I had my family and I was being a productive part of society and, and, you know, and then, and then a whole different type of, you know, mat client when I came into recovery from that relapse, you know, like, like, then I found a whole new way of just changing a relationship with a medication and allowing it to be a tool and not the cure. And, you know, I think that's an amazing asset, uh, uh, you know, for my life. But a lot of people say, well, I was addicted to I was addicted to methadone. And, and then they 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 make a whole judgment about all of that based on their experience and and i think that's a very dangerous dangerous thing to do and i like i do like what pamela said too people often pick a stance and then if they start to think differently sometimes they're afraid to speak up just like they're you know the, the places you guys are talking about now like right. you know like maybe they do start to kind of open up and then they're stuck you know like uh-oh well i'm in this group of people right you know so now i'm going to get shunned yeah, you know, the shun. You have psychological yeah. safety in mm. your group if you cannot talk about things, and then you are in the wrong group, and you have yep. a problem because yep. safety is Ding. a need that everybody has. You need to feel safe. Good job. Good <laughs> but job. I, yes, I, I was listening to a podcast uh, this past week, and they were talking about how people end up in like these extremist groups. They're mostly talking about like political, like far right, far left. And they were talking about exactly what we're talking about right now, where they don't feel accepted by the people that they're in. They feel rejected. They isolate. And then they find these people <coughs> that they can relate to online or wherever. And they cling on to that because these people yeah. will accept me. Yeah. 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 It's a herd mentality, man. You know, if yep. you get Pride treated reason. with acceptance, I mean, yeah. you look at like gang members, right? Or people that are ex gang members. It's almost invariably, I, I don't even know how many I've interviewed uh, on the way out. And it, it's like almost invariably the same story, you know, like they didn't feel accepted, loved, uh, you know, that they belonged at home, at school, with their neighborhood, but they found that stuff with this group, you know, of gang members. And so they they joined up, you know, and then yep. they're living this lifestyle that they just know is just toxic for them. And, you know, now they want out and they're yep. trapped. Yeah. I see it in the transgender community just as well, too. You know, a lot of people are, are are identifying in that way that don't necessarily feel that way. Or they start to go through the transition. Then they realize, oh, wait, that's not quite the identity. But it's like they're they're into it and they're afraid. Like, I, I stopped going to a, my own trans support group because it was just so unnerving of, wow. you know, saying the right thing and not saying this and saying that. It, it, it made so much anxiety and i see that happening now with you know a lot of people identifying there so yeah that's a you know it's 
we're all looking for acceptance, you know, like that seems to be the theme. Or you have to yeah. say that somebody is right. That mm. isn't necessarily being right. Because if you call them out on being wrong, then like a yeah. political thing, you just, you, you, you say everything that someone does is right. Even if you know that everything they're not doing is right, because yeah. you don't like the other side and you think that that's the, you know, this is better than that. And it's like, you can hold people accountable and call them out and still even vote for them. If that's, you yeah. know, who you think you need to vote for, like you can vote, right. but you can also hold them accountable for things that you think are wrong. And when you, when you say that they're perfect or they're the greatest ever and then like, yeah. how's that yeah. helping anybody by, right. by making somebody into some saint that needs right. to I have a I have a question for you, Elsie. Okay. So I think that's really, that's unfortunate that that happened at, at your uh, transgender support group. And I'm curious, like, uh, when you when you came to that realization, uh, obviously, I'm assuming, you, you know, like you said, you stepped away. But so what, what have you uh, found as a replacement to, to get you that support that you need or do you do you have that kind of like community support within within the transgender community well i tell you i'm kind of a bit of an outcast because i had this even greater realization um with a, a friend of mine who has uh his name is martin john garcia he has a podcast called recover yourself and he was doing a portrait session with me and that's kind of what he does in his mentoring session. He does a portrait session. He kind of sees your soul, and then you talk about this. Well, he was doing this with me, and he goes, well, how do you want me to introduce you? And I was in my first year of transition. So I was, like, truly identified. And he, he, he said, you know, well, I don't know if I want to say that. Because I think we should just all be humans. Like, I don't want you to be completely identified with that. And at first I got angry, but I knew his heart. So this was the only thing that made me see it for what it really was. I almost stepped in a trap of, I'll be happy when. And a lot of us are in that, you know, that's our culture of, I'll be happy when, when I gain success. When I transition into a different gendered body, I'll be happy. Well, I know that that's not the case. So I started doing a deeper level at looking at, you know, who I was. I went even deeper into myself to see myself as a soul and not just a body. So I was kind of an outcast because I, I don't do the protests. Um, there's a lot of, I do have opinions about some things. Um, I'm kind of of the same belief system of, you know, a lot of, a lot of fear is being so so we're we all know we're in midterms right now in in our country and and a lot of people are standing on our backs for votes so they're creating a lot of fear and and i think this is causing a big pendulum swing of where you're pushing people away and you're also pushing people to a gender identity that you know we all know that there are people that go through complete transition that regret it. Right. And that's a hurtful, harmful thing. So I find support more in, 
in my like wellness and spiritual community and and I have great friends like Pamela Topjian is an amazing ally and she you know she's a cisgendered heterosexual um 50-year-old white female who says well you know a lot of us want to be allies but the culture is so that we you don't know what to say you don't know what to what not to say and uh, people want to be allies but they're scared some of them mm-hmm. are scared and that's the way it was in that support group i was like i didn't feel comfortable speaking or being myself because i used the word man a lot and you know all of a sudden instead of there being grace you know like like when we talk about words like addict and clean and sober like that in our community there was no grace and i think that's a real that's 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 a downfall like we got to give people grace to to come to understand those that are wanting to and you know the difference in somebody who's truly like like brett i'll bring brett up brett and i had this amazing interaction together and brett was completely open and real and honest with me and just like he was tonight that said hey i i really didn't understand and i don't know if i do understand but i want to and brett just had this heart that it just immediately i said you can ask me anything like nothing that you ask me is going to offend me because i know you're not out to hurt me you're trying to understand therefore i am completely open to answer any questions like that and you can't offend me if you misgender me or you misname me that's one of the reasons i haven't changed my first name that's a lot of pressure in the trans community dead names and this name and and it's like the recovery there's so much pressure unnecessarily that we put on each other whatever happened to being an individual like an individual yes 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 just a human in pursuit of happiness and what does that mean for me so what if i want to keep my name you know (laughs) what i mean like i don't understand people exactly like like you have to fit into some kind of cookie cutter now to be a transgender person you do you do and you can get canceled if you violate the the rules that are unspoken. <laughs> you know? wow. There's unspoken that's, rules. Here's that's something crazy. we talk about diversity and we talk about how important it is to have diverse teams and that, you know, diversity is comes in all different things and it's not just with certain labels. There's like yep. all kinds of diversity, d- diversity of experience. Um, yeah. So to me, when do we, you know, as a world, as a United States, when do we open our mind to we are stronger with diversity? So that doesn't mean that you can have eight different types of diverse, like you can only be this color, that color, or, or this gender, this gender. Like yep. these are the only diversities that are allowed. Like, yeah. That that doesn't make any sense. Like it's not real diversity. Like, yeah, that's um, the opposite like the more diversity, diversity, the more different types of people, yes. all different types of diversity. Wow. Yeah, there the stronger we are. I mean, we know that even like genetic adaptations, like they're for a reason. They're, they they make us stronger as a human race. Like so, yes. you yes. know, like I, I, I don't get it. like. I don't. How either. many types of diversity are we allowing? Like, where, where, where's the law on that? Only, 
only as many boxes as we can fit on a piece of paper. But we can't grow past our boxes, you know? Like, we can't, whatever box we put around ourselves, we can't grow past that until we knock the walls down. And I don't understand, really and honestly, what's happening right now. It's like, don't people see how weak we are as we continue to divide against each other? And 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 how other places are just looking at us as we implode from the inside out? I mean, like... Like, is nobody else seeing this but us? I, I don't understand. I don't get it. Can I say one more thing? And they're like, what's oh, your problem? Bridge, bridge. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Bridge. Hey, Bridge, I yes. Chime in. I just, I love, I love that you're on this show and you're sharing your stuff. Because, right, Thank the you. opposite of addiction is connection. And so yes. people fear what they don't know, right? That's yes. what I'm about my recovery. And I think, to your point, it's beautiful because I love that you're open with it. And I say, if I don't know something, it's okay not to know, but ask, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I couldn't hide it. I went to a training and they wanted me to identify, like, you know, and I've never thought about, you know, like, I'm Ashley, like, I've. And they're like, you have to pick a pronoun. And I'm like, I mean, th- like, it's never <laughs> been. Wh- why do you need to know I'm she, her? Like, I, it, I didn't know what to do because I'm like, I've never thought about this. Now do. you want to. <laughs> like, and, and it's like, why should somebody have to choose? Why? I know. I know. And it's the things that we think are going to help. So I remember in the 90s when I went into the military, I identified as, uh, you know, as a lesbian. So in the 90s, we had don't ask, don't tell. And people just applauded this don't ask, don't tell situation. And I was in the military at the time. And I was like, no, this is a witch hunt. Because at least you could lie and they were off your back. Now, everybody's like looking and just waiting for you to show some gayness. And then it's like really bad. So it's like we do these things that we think or, you know, or uh, like I'm giving, I, we're, we're giving a little bit, but in all reality, that's just another box we put ourselves in. That's just another, you know, what I just, can we just be humans? Like, can we just be human beings in pursuit of happiness? Because that, my friends, yes. is supposed to be one of our rights and all men are created equal and we do get to have and to, in, to pursue happiness. Now, what that means to me and what it means to you, you know, but who's trying to tell us where all of that is supposed to go? And I think such a big fear right now that's happening with with this big issue of, of trans children is more coming from adults than children. I mean, I I remember being a kid. Yes, I knew that my gender was not right at four. That's when kids start to become aware of gender. But there were times that, you know, you could play with dolls or play with cars or whatever. But it's like, 
we as adults look over our children because we feel like they're like representations of us. And if they start doing something that looks gay or looks, you know, a little something, we jump on that. When sometimes we just need to back off and kind of just let this, let this human being unfold. I think the one biggest regret that I have in, in raising my son is that I did not get to know who he was as a human being. Uh, I I raised him in a con- the condition where he was living out my everything that I thought that I wasn't as you know growing up he was and so I just wanted him to do all the stuff and and to live through him and I was so like I couldn't even see that I I I missed out on getting to know who he was and so did he. And, 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 and that's why I look at him in this situation right now. And, and guilt has no glory, so I don't feel guilty. I continue to keep trying to be a better father, even though he's 23 and living outside my house. You know, I, I still just want to keep being the best human and, and father that I can be to him because he doesn't know who he is. So in, So instead of me giving him or helping him know himself, I, he kind of got the same situation that I did just in a different body and a different identity. He doesn't know himself either. And I didn't know myself. And so that's what I regret most is not seeing who he was, you know, and I hope we're changing in the world, you know, as, as we go through this now. So, man, I just gotta say, I'm grateful for you, Elsie. Oh man, I'm grateful for you. Like I, I feel like uh, really blessed to be able to uh, be part of this conversation tonight. Cause you know, I, I feel like I didn't really get to know you uh, last time, you know, you yeah, were, yeah. you were poking and prodding and asking us all sorts of stuff. Yeah. About us, but <laughs> I didn't right. get to know you and I'm grateful that I had this opportunity to get to know. Oh man, thank you so much. I'm honored to be amongst you. You guys have the greatest hearts, you know. Like I, I real sees real, and I love each one of your hearts and how, how different and the same, and you know, like just, just how amazing each of you are. I love the dynamic. I love it. I love you all as individuals. It's amazing. Make my eyes leak, dude. Man, you're about to get it over here. That's why I got my glasses and the reflection in the way. That's why I keep the reflection. You keep it? I'm I keep the reflection. Because I feel like it looks weird with the reflection. It always does. I chase it sometimes, and nope, it hides me when I start leaking a little bit. Because I do, man. I love love. Like I really do. Like I. I I, I never knew anything about love. I didn't know it was possible. I certainly didn't know it was possible to love myself. But, you know, it's amazing when you do begin to love yourself, how much love you see in other people, you know, and, and how much love you can recognize in the world. It is you the know? greatest commandment. It is. It's, 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 it's an amazing, amazing world. Like, Just be you know, love. Creation is amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh, amazing guys are special special you all are special you're special too you guys well thank you thank you thank you (laughs) (laughs) good stuff guys i I love hearing stories that are different because i think the more stories we hear just 
we are able to see people more as people. Yes. And yes. And we, you know, people fear what they don't know. I mean, that's they do. natural. I don't yep. think that there's. And when, you know, when you are able to see someone as a human, because you're able yep. to identify in some way with them in their story, like, yep. then that's where change happens. It is. And I think that by not allowing people to not know and and to, you know, I think that's where we build extremism. When we tell people they're not allowed to not know or mm-hmm. not to ask a question or to not have an opinion, then we we push them away from us, you know, and, and a lot of people in 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 a, my community don't understand my stance on that. But, you know, how could. Why would I ask someone to do something? I'm. Why would I ask for grace that I'm not willing to give? Yeah. You know, you gotta allow someone not to know. That's how we've we've had a whole conversation here tonight, and there's been so much uncovered, and we've had. There's no hate or extremism being born here. There's nothing but love being born here because we're understanding each other in a safe yeah. space to be able to do it. You know, you may you may feel like you're an outsider or an outcast now, LSE, but I have a feeling as long as you continue doing what you think is right and you're that you you feel a calling to to put this content out here to to share of yourself, to get to know and, and uh spotlight other people's stories, you're gonna become the trailblazer. You're gonna become the one who's leading the charge for a more open and understanding community as opposed so. to dude, you can't be the so. only one, bro. You can't I be know. the only one that's like, I that. know, I you know, know I, mean? I know you're just, I know. you're a leader. Your followers just are a little slow on their walking. But guess what? You guys, it's so. okay to be slow, you know. It's, it is. The oh, portus in the hair. Yep. The in the hair. Yeah, <laughs> get there in your time. Just get there. Just get there. No matter what. I love Pamela. Yeah, Pamela. I love Pamela. Pamela's got yeah. listen, Pamela <laughs> is, and Pamela has this amazing you know, Pamela wrote this amazing book of her own story, and it's called I Didn't Come This Far, It Only Come This Far. And I like Pamela's story, too, because it also gives a different perspective. And, you know, like like this, like just reading people's story, like I'll pick up someone's story and read it or listen to it every single time over, you know, something, you know, I, I want to hear from people. And, you know, even in my friendship with Pamela, after reading her book, you know, oh my gosh, it's like, how, how, you know, we're, we're so much the same. And Pamela had had this, uh, you know, a relationship with someone that was struggling with active addiction. And, you know, there was so much, you know, that she didn't understand and then did. Under, I mean, it was just, you know, like we're all like humans just trying to learn from one another's experience if we allow ourselves so you know i urge everyone to you know get check to know out pamela's book yeah check out pamela's book it's on amazon i didn't come this far it only come this far pamela topped in but like to get to identify your people. like as humans like yes what, how do you identify humans. i'm a human i'm a human that yeah. is uh that is it i am a human 
you know? Don't lock me in a box. Because if you lock me in a box, something inside of me is going to want to get out of it. So mm-hmm. then I'm just going to keep pushing boundaries. And I don't think I got any more to push, y'all. Like, I've pushed them all at this point. Like, there's nothing <laughs> left for me. I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> You'll find new ones, you know. Oh, my gosh. It, like... it is. It is exhausting. And just trying to hide that stuff, like not being open with who you are and your your experience, the shame of that. Just, oh, it's such a weight to carry, such a weight to carry. And and I understand, you know, like like when we talk trans community, sometimes it's not safe to be who, who you are. I'm in a situation like that right now, you know, where I work, you know, but but I'm working like this person is getting to know the human side of me. So at some point, we will have a conversation. But, you know, I had to explain to somebody else, if I just come out the gate with this, something that just blows his mind, and he's not really, he'll make a snap judgment, Mm -hmm. and he'll never, we'll never get to know each other. And I'm glad I'm getting to know this guy. He's a great guy. He's got an amazing story, and he's going through a lot. So I'm glad I'm getting to share space with him. I'm not lying about who I am. You know, I don't have to just come out the gate and, you know, I don't have to lead with this identity. My identity is I'm a human being in the process of healing, becoming my best and awesomest self. And I'm getting to know other people that are walking through things, too. And, you know, eventually if it'll come up and I can almost guarantee you at that time, his entire belief system about other human beings are going to change. Because he got to know me as a human first, not a transgender person. Right. You know, you human. said something earlier, Elsie, that really, I loved it. It was like, uh, quote worthy for sure. But you said that you, you started to view yourself as a soul rather than a body. Yeah. And that that was a big part of what helped you in your transition <laughs> uh, to, to, cultivate self-love right yes and i loved that when you said that because that's what we all are you know it's like that's the what's good for your spirit right and and then i just think it's great that that you did that because then it's like it totally simplified it right instead of making it all complicated yes you're just like you know that wasn't good for my soul this yep. is good for my soul and if it makes my soul feel whole <laughs> you know that's it yeah and that's exactly right and and had that had my friend martin never like questioned me and and let's remember when he questioned me i was pissed i was like you don't understand what it's like like you know like i was hanging on to this identity and had he never challenged me that's why our challenges and the things that make us uncomfortable are often our greatest assets because had i not really started contemplating that question even though i had done that in my recovery i'd found what was good for my soul had I, I almost slipped in the trap of, of identity again. I almost slipped in that I'll be happy and whole when I do something to my body. When, man, I, I'm a soul traveling in a body. I'm not a body, you know, that has a soul in it. I am a soul traveling in this body through this time and space 
and this is my path. You know, this is my path. For whatever reason, I'm supposed to be, you know, supposed to have gone through childhood trauma. I'm supposed to have, you know, had a 22-year active addiction. I'm supposed to have been, you know, I'm supposed to have been hurt, supposed to have been raped. I'm supposed to have been beaten. I'm supposed to have been all those things so that I can be this whole soul today and, you know, ask the question, okay, instead of why me, why me? Why me? Well, this is why. This is why. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Well, I just think that God uses broken vessels. Amen. The cracks, the cracks are where the light gets in. That's exactly right. Or how the light gets out. That's. Mm. There's mm. something that you said that's so beautiful too, like that we kind of missed, is you were talking about somebody at work, and you were saying that he he wasn't ready to know you and the amount of empathy that that is isn't because you could say I should be able to be whoever I want to be and you would be absolutely right but you are giving him the ability to know you before because he's not ready to know everything right. yet so you're giving him the time and the respect to be able to say I believe that he will eventually have the ability to accept me I just need to let him know who I am and that's yeah that's a, that's an amazing outlook on it and yeah there's a, a amazing you. amounts of good things that can come from that because you don't have to you don't ha you should be able to be exactly who you are wherever you show up but but by giving yeah. somebody the ability to reach that you know yeah and, yeah and <laughs> Not you'll tell us well you have to accept me in it right 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 and that, and that and i think that that's a, a big you know problem for us right now is is when we when we push and say this is what you've got to do like just just mm. in doing that you just automatically recoil and put defenses up and that's not how we become we connect soul to soul and this man has just lost his mother. He lost his, you know, his fiance to COVID. I mean, he's a broken man. His body's breaking down on him from grief. When, when he finally like gets a chance to, you know, know this, this he's cause he's got other views on other things of diversity as well. It's not just, you know, my, that community, it's this community and that community, but I can see the beauty in him like i can see the god within him and i know that this is these aren't even his belief systems like these beliefs like who does this belong to those beliefs that he has they don't belong to him they they they've come down through generations and generations exactly it's a condition and i see the human and we have connected on a level that you know, we've we've been able to talk about his his and I know in just the two weeks we've been working together, he has come to, and we're painting a house like we're not doing like therapy work, but we're doing therapy work like he's mm. getting some amazing insight because he's not being told, well, you should just get another girlfriend and get over this. I'm like, no, man, you got to heal from this. 
in that you can be a whole human there, you know. And he says, well, I like the way you put stuff. See, that's human to human. Now, he wouldn't get that if he knew my label. From the, He wouldn't even give me that time right. if he knew my label, you know. And if I felt like, like somebody told me, well, you should say something, I'm like, why? Like, why say something to someone who's not ready to receive it? You know, like you miss so much by, by I don't want to shove something down his throat. What kind of work environment is that going to be? We're not going to be laughing and cutting up and having fun. It's going to be very rigid, very uncomfortable. I may have to look, you know, for my safety. I'm never going to relax. No, but I'm also not hiding it. Like the point is, I'm not not you know what i mean like so i i get it on both sides and that's okay because they're not ready to receive what it is that i you know that i have to give either but it scares me when people get so identified with those labels because they don't hold your happiness in fact they hold back your happiness and so we can it's let those go it is yeah. just like that i'm an addict you know I can't say that at a certain point. Like I had to stop saying that because I was prophesying that to myself and I couldn't grow outside of that box. And it right. was time for me to stop saying that, that identity. So it's the same to me. We're all going through the same. We're all going through transition. Every one of us. We just don't know it. <laughs> always. Yeah. Pamela had a comment earlier. She put that pretty astutely. Uh, let's see. Mm -hmm. She said recovery is a type of transition as well. Growth inside and out is a transition. It's a process. We aren't supposed to stay in one chapter of our lives. We're meant to live, grow, and evolve. Yes. That's my soul sister there. And I'm super grateful for that, man, because I want to, I, I don't know, like, you know, I, I spent so much of my life not feeling any uh, like hope or like uh yeah. looking forward like to anything and now it's like i'm you know looking forward with a kind of like almost like curiosity like i'm uh open to receive what's next you know like Ugh. and i don't pretend to know That's what good. it is you know what i mean mm. like i just uh i just That's walk nice. and walk and uh I just walk and walk the walk. <laughs> See where that, it leads. <laughs> that's awesome. That's our. That's going to be our episode title right there. Open to receive what's next. Growth <laughs> mindset. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's a lifesaver. It's a lifesaver. Yeah. All right, oh, guys. Are we ready to wrap things amazing. up? I know. I yeah. Gotta go. I got to go to work in the morning. Me, Me too. Man. I've enjoyed this, though. This fills oh, my dark, soul. Oh, dark 30. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Slinging paint before the sun comes up. Hey, I have a, this has been amazing. I leave here full tonight. Like my, I really Same. am overflowing. Thank you, guys, Same. so much. Thank you. And we didn't even put it up there, but yes, thank you. there's uh, there's Elsie's hey. logo. Be sure to check out LC's show, which also now broadcasts live on the Recovery Revolution page. That's right. That's, That's right. That's yeah. right. Every Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Come see us. Collaborators. That's right. That's right. Gotta love it. And Jason Thanks, has his own podcast as well. Way out. Yeah, the Way Out Podcast. Me and my 
brother, Charles Lavour. Uh, he's the creator. We uh, we host powerful recovery stories uh, with different individuals from all walks of life and all pathways. We lift and try to spotlight those things, as many things we can learn and put out there. And then we also do recovery power topics, sometimes in episodes where we unpack nice. specific topics uh, that people might really feel like they need to learn more about in recovery so check us out and and then on spotify we got the way out playlist that's a curated list of songs that symbolize recovery to our amazing nice nice yeah outstanding and then i also have my own show that i do as well recovery survey amazing check that out a uh, little bite-sized pieces of recovery one episode a week chomp, drops chomp, on chomp. wednesday mornings so uh add nom, that to nom, the nom. list as well That's we right. also release this broadcast this live stream in podcast form as well so if you want to take us on the road you want to listen to us in your earbuds and you can't watch the video you can look up the audio version of every single live stream that we do just search Recovery Revolution Live on your favorite podcast player. Uh, like and follow, subscribe, all that fun stuff on YouTube if you are if you watch us over there. Um, do we have any other announcements? I think that's it. Ashley Grimes made the Power 100 yes, top 100 healthcare providers in the state of Florida. Congratulations, Ashley. Congratulations. <laughs> You deserve that. She Ooh. is a pioneer, and she is yes, bringing she is. better resources to the community out there in Florida. Yes, we love you, is. Ashley. Yes, yes, yes. Yay, Ashley. Yay, I think she's Ashley. blushing. She definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to put her on blast, though. <laughs> no, love no, no. you, Ashley. Sorry, I'm like that, though. all right well elsie thank you again for coming on the show tonight it was an absolute pleasure thank y'all it's always i always feel so uplifted and every time i'm around you and i have a conversation man i just leave just feeling like i'm on cloud nine man so i'm so so grateful yes you came on tonight man i'm gonna cry when this is over I'm going to just it, cry when this is over. It was very moving, bro. It was very Thank moving you. to learn your story and to uh, see how far you've come and the way that you uh, really are able to now use your lived experience to touch so many lives. is It's it's uh, very heartwarming, dude. And I Thanks. got nothing but so love much. for you, bro. I'm right back. Right back at y'all. Thank y'all so much. It's yep. been amazing. Everybody have a good night. We will see you next Thursday. And remember, progress, not perfection. Amen. Bye. Bye.